Hey there, before you start tonight's episode, we wanted to talk to you about a brand new project that we're starting that we're really excited about. It's called Whose Dice Are These Anyway? It's a podcast where the stories are made up and the rules barely matter. Join us every week as our bumbling crew of adventurers solves some mysteries, fights some monsters, and does terrible celebrity impressions. Starting Thursday, January 26th, and every Thursday thereafter. You can find Who's Dice Are These Anyway on every major podcasting distribution platform. You can also find us on Twitter at Who's Dice. We hope you'll tune in for action, suspense, and uncontrollable laughter. See you then. Hello, and welcome to the Guild that Keeps on Giving, a podcast about a group of friends and their thoughts, ideas, and experiences relating to D&D. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Patrick, and let's go talk to my friends. Welcome to the Guild that Keeps on Giving, a show that regales with tales of glorious triumphs and epic failures among friends. This week, we're going to be talking about the lost mine of Fandelver. So without further ado, let's introduce our guest, uh, Dr. Rick McCain. Hey, Rick. Hey there, Patrick. Matt Mullen. How's it going, Matt? Good. And Dr. Chris Rowan. Hey, Chris. Hello. All right. Who wants to get us started about Fandelver? Rick does. I do. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I, did, I, I knew it. Yeah. All right. So I love this um, adventure. It is classic. It is comprehensive. It has all sorts of things. And of course, it is uh, part of the starter set, and it's a great introduction to my favorite place in the fantasy world, the Forgotten Realms. And so I have run this uh, numerous times, and um, my son is running it right now for his first group for a bunch of new players. And he calls me up each week and asks for advice and, and uh, or tell me all the tales of what they've done. It's uh, It's pretty exciting. So... We hear that you brought your book along with you. I do. Oh, can you hear the rattle? I'm trying to do it quietly. (laughs) Sorry about that. Um, The rustling of paper. Let me just Um, get my flip book out. It's a comforting (laughs) sound. That's a comforting sound. I still try to buy the books for the adventures, even though I do everything online. Um, One, to support the company, but two, I just like to feel the books. Yeah. Um, They're great. Yep. So there's a lot of ways to start off uh, the adventure, but um, the the recommended way of starting it is to just have your group hired as caravan guards on their way to the town of Fandolin from uh, Neverwinter, a large city. And um, I don't know, Chris, you've run this, right? Yeah, yeah, and played it. Um, <clears throat> I kind of, I liked, I mean, I had a fun time playing it, but running it is awesome. I think it is perfect. I mean, just like you said, it's it feels classic. Goblins are some of the main enemies, and that's just awesome, you know? Yeah, I love it. So how did you start when you were playing? Um, I've got to Do you this. recall? Yeah, I've, I've run this three times, I think, and... I guess two and a half. So I ran it sort of just like a standalone thing. And then I sort of plugged it into another adventure and ran part of it. Um, I think I started these guys 
uh, the first time I ran it, I ran it very old school. Group started in the tavern, and uh, I think I started the group at second level, um, just because I, I, I didn't want to start them at first and had some new players and wanted to give them a little bit of buffer for uh, survival. And it was a job. It was like, hey, these guys have gone missing. Um, you know, there's a, one of them's pretty popular and there's a bounty and, um, I had a group that was very money oriented. So that's, that was literally that simple. And they went and investigated and that is kind of how the ball got rolling. Yeah. My son's group is very money oriented and they're, uh, excited about the mines and, yep. and getting some money out of it. Um, I found that it was uh, very helpful to have background tie-ins and they make recommendations for that in the book as well. They, uh, there's some pre-made characters that can be used and they have uh, background ties to uh, either the mines or the town or the people or the organizations in the area. And I found that, you know, as usual, having some kind of background that ties the group together or ties them to the adventure uh, makes the players feel connected to what they're doing. Uh, it's not necessary, but it's definitely helpful. So I would recommend for those who are running it to go ahead and, and uh, tie the characters into the area. It gives it a little more um, personal feeling for the players. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So Patrick, you also went through it? I did. I've, I've both DM'd and played this adventure. <clears throat> and like we were talking earlier uh, you know, before the episode, Chris and I, this I think was the first time we played together was I think uh, so. Vox Mine of Fandelver. Yeah. And... Um, is that we how you started? Two met? Yeah, it is. It yeah. is how we met. Yes. Oh, that's exciting. That's cool. Yeah. It was uh, the person that we had being our DM for that. Like Chris said, did a good job on on most things. The Lost Mine of Fandover beginning for us was very uh, out of the book. You know, it was very much stuck to the script, and I think that's because, if I remember correctly, this was his first time being like a DM for the Adventures League, right? Like this was his first. Professional yeah. DM experience. He was really yeah, and this was Adventures League. Um mm -hmm. and he was pretty new. I, I'm pretty sure. And he was young too, so he's a young guy. I don't think he'd been playing D D even that long, a couple of years mm -hmm. or something. No, so, he, yeah. he did a good job though. <clears throat> yeah. Agreed. Um, Agreed. He took a lot of good uh he took a lot of cues from the players and, and really tried to implement, you know, the improvements that we hinted at or that we thought we might like to see. Um, but as far as the actual beginning, when I played it, it was very much right out of the book. We pretty much followed that script. I don't mean word for word and line for line, but, you know, we did become the guys who were on a job. And, you know, I mean, we kind of followed their lead, uh, Wizard's lead on that. <clears throat> when I DM'd it, I did it very similar. My group was not money-oriented in any way, and um, they were very new to playing D and D, as in this was their first, the first time I DM'd it. This was their very first foray into uh, Dungeons and Dragons whatsoever, and three of them, if I'm not mistaken, used the pre-made characters that came with the adventure. Oh wow! Because I, I bought like the the actual box, you know, the starter uh, kit. It was all. Yeah. It wasn't like a downloaded or anything, and um, they were more into well, number one, I guess, let's find out how to play Dungeons and Dragons. But um, number two was. Let's kill all the bad guys, and um, so they they were just itching for encounters more than, than uh, filling their pockets with gold. And there's but plenty they, of encounters. There was, and and the the way that they suggest you run it in the book 
you, you can walk into as many encounters as, as the party wants, really. And I thought that was, you know, fairly well set up. And I actually, I think they did this correctly. I think this is a great adventure for the starter set to get people to start learning about D&D and start playing D&D. And the following one, the um, the Essentials Kit, I think it's called. Yep. Uh, I think they did a good job putting that in there as well. And we actually went from Lost Mine of Fendover to Dragon of Icepire Peak. Uh, that was how we continued on. And uh, they, they went well. Both That's good. Yeah. I think that yeah. is something that this adventure does well, reading through it, is that basically no matter what your group is into or even if your group is into different things, like different players are into different things, there is something for everyone and there's something to get you into D&D. It's not all just like, oh, we don't do that in this adventure. We're focused on, you know, this is a political sandbox. And this is a dungeon crawl. And this is this. Like, Lost Mine and Vandelver has a little taste of everything so that you know what D&D is like or could be like for you and your party. Yeah. Even the classics. It had some of the classics, like the goblins and the, you know, the ambush on the roadside. And I mean, it was, there was a lot of very classic elements of D&D campaigns in there. And I, I thought they did a good job all around with this one. Yeah. And they really explain well how to DM and what you yeah. need to do. Um, I'm just reviewing it now in the book that I have. And it it says, for instance, jealous much? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sitting right here with me. Um, for instance, it says review the goblin stat block in Appendix B. Since the goblins are hiding, you'll need to know their stealth skill modifier plus six. So it tells you how to be prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you've never DM before, it gives you instructions as you go. Yeah. I love that about it. Yeah, and it, I, it was amazing I really, when I when I first saw this. I mean, usually, what you know, adventure would just be there is a goblin and that's it, you know. But yep, it yeah. tells you how to. Um, it says check to see if anyone su- is surprised, and then it tells you how to do that. And it, you know, it could have been one one paragraph, and it turns out it's it's a whole page of just. Mm-hmm. Four goblins. They, they sort of made this as you don't need to buy the monster manual or the dungeon master's guide or whatever to play this. No, you thing. just need you the just basic rules or just yeah. box. It's right in there. Yep. Yep. You yeah. buy the box, you get your friends together, and you can have a night of D D. And yep. I really like the way they did that. Yeah. It, I think it really it's just smart great. business sense on their end because it, it it's not just a beginner's adventure for the players, it's also a beginner's adventure for your DM because right. they, they might also be new to this. So I found it really helpful just reading through it. I, I imagine if you were a first time DM, it would just, this would definitely be the place to start. Yeah, absolutely. And then they go right on to traps and then um, exploring and, you know, just all the little bits that make up a great D&D adventure are right in the first couple pages. So you get exposure to all that. And, and um, one of the things that I would like to talk about is how tough are four goblins for four first level characters? It depends on the first level characters. I can tell you that from experience. <laughs> yes. And and I too, like if you, if they're well balanced and well um, made, and Chris, you've talked about this many times, um, 
that uh, that that can be very important in certain types of of campaigns. Yeah. Um, but uh, they're the goblins' capabilities can be formidable to a first level group. Yeah, and uh, especially those who have never played before or never played with each other before, and they don't really have any sort of cohesiveness when it comes to battles or strategy or or anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen guys go down in this fight that you're talking about, Rick. Right, absolutely. Um, my son's party, um, they sent the wizard and the ranger up front, and they got Bold <laughs> strategy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whereas the, the fighter and the Bold cleric, stuff. you know, the tank stayed in the back. Yeah. And they went up and investigated, and they got ambushed, and they got taken down pretty quickly. Uh, you know, a first-level wizard doesn't have a lot of defenses and should not be taking point normally. Yeah. Um, and uh, they learned very quickly that uh, tactics matter. Yeah. I mean, look at the stats. So a goblin, I think the average, they got like a 15 armor class. So even the best optimized fighter is probably going to have a 50% chance of hitting. So that can go really wrong. Let's say you're three rounds into it and maybe you hit once, maybe you hit three times, but it's wildly, I mean, it's totally, you know, 50%. So then you've got the goblins who have about plus four to hit and they're fairly dexterous. So they got plus two to damage and they're doing 1d4 or 1d6 or something like that. That d6, yeah. Yeah, that can add up really, really quickly. That fight can go... That is all about the dice rolls, um, aside from the tactics. You know, you could drop a... Sli- that their goblins, if they're grouped up, sleep spell gets tons of mileage. You could, you could pretty much take out two or maybe even three of that group uh, with a sleep spell or something. So I think... That and and I love that because that's what it was from the time I remember in D anD D when you had a bunch of guys like that. That's where the sleep spell was like Ab- king. Absolutely, that's that's yeah. classic tactics there. Yeah, um, you know, and and the goblins are like little rogues. They have the disengage yeah. and and hide right. uh, as bonus actions, so they can pop around in the woods, run behind a tree, hide, stealth attack with advantage. You know all sorts of things, and um, you know a, a DM with with <laughs> you know aggressive tactics can can really put a hurting on a first level party. Yeah. Now it does say specifically if they do manage, and it says uh, strangely enough, in the unlikely event <laughs> that the goblins win this fight, uh, is how it reads. Uh, they leave them unconscious and loot them of their money and 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 equipment and take off. Mm-hmm. And now you have, you know, a bunch of characters without money and without equipment. You know, they may still have their armor. They may not have taken the time to steal their armor. Yep. But but then they have to go into town, convince someone to give them equipment on on loan or get a job or something, and then go back and get revenge on the the goblins and trail them through the woods, track them through the woods. So, um, so even if they lose, it's written into here, into the adventure that they don't get killed. Yep. So that's that's helpful. That's one of the things that I think separates D and D from a video game or 
so many other games you might play is you can lose this encounter, quote unquote, but it doesn't mean, oh, game's over or we have to reset or make new characters. We'll try again. Like the story goes on as long as you and your players want it to. And that can go past a single character, like characters can die and you can make new ones. You can choose not to kill them, not just in this encounter, but in any encounter. Like, I think that's a really powerful part of this game and what separates it from traditional board games, computer games, those kinds of other games that you might play where if you lose, you got to start over and this, this, you don't have to. And I love that about it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a good lesson that, that not everything has to be to the death. You can knock people out. You can capture them. You, you do, you, well, not just people, but monsters and whatever you want to do. It's not always killing, although it usually is. (laughs) Right. In my experience, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah. I love that about it. I talk about that in my things all the time, you know, because again, I'm playing with kids all the time. And, I like the I like pointing this out. I like pointing out that the players are sort of the heroes and this is your average typical campaign and the and you you like to think that heroes have some kind of a moral code or they're decent or whatever. And here you have the bad guys and even the quote evil bad guys who oftentimes the scenario is the adventurers are going into their house or territory or whatever attacking them and the bad guys don't kill them, will capture them or whatever, and then maybe even let them go. And then here are the players like, who's the bad guys here, you guys? <laughs> like, are you guys are you guys the real heroes? Or are, are these goblins actually more morally like sort of grounded than you guys are? And I think this is a big thing in D&D that... I really have, it's become more important to me, I guess, maybe as I've gotten older. And to show that, you know, not everything is so black and white. I mean, that's, you know, I live my life in the the sort of gray areas where, you know, it's I, I sort of challenge myself. Um, but I like that. I really think, like you were saying, you know, this adventure is so great and it gives all these tips, you know, it, it really does guide you. It gives you the opportunities to sort of make skill checks. So you start getting used to how those work, making little saving throws and, you know, the combat is reasonable. And then there's things like this where the party can see even if they fail, the adventure's not over. You don't have to roll up a new character. You got egg on your face and, you know, you're eating some crow maybe, but you're still alive and you get to then navigate the difficulty of failure. How are you going to handle it? I mean, I can't tell you how important I think those lessons are for, especially for young people. You know what I mean? Like that's, I, I, I really like this adventure. I feel like it is, it's a great teaching tool, not just for the game, but sort of like a little primer for life. Absolutely. I I think we talked about that before that, there are a lot of life lessons in this yeah, game. Hundred percent. What you take away from it is probably different for every single person, but yeah. Um, if you're looking for them, or you know, if you're open to them, there are plenty in there. Yeah, yeah, and this is, and, and the story's good too. It's not like you know, like the story's not good. This is a good story. It's got some some cool sort of divergences and and connections. Like there's a clear story too. Um, in other words, you're not. 
I think as a DM, and, and at least for me, there was no time where I was like, well, why the heck would these guys be doing this? Or why would right. these folks be here? That's was, a big one. Yeah, clear connections that made sense. And, you know, a pretty decent bad guy. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just think this is such a great adventure. I agree. So after they deal with the goblins and go to the little goblin holdout, they rescue someone and that person is important for the for the rest of the adventure uh, and that's Sildar Hallwinter and then that takes them into Fandolin proper into the little village which is a classic D&D village um, you know the inn the it's a wild west ghost town provisions yeah it's a wild <laughs> west <laughs> it's some town in New Mexico right now yeah you know it's got the farms it's got the little Cops of Woods, little stream, little, you know, provisions. And they did a, a really good job fleshing out the important villagers, too. They didn't just mention the, the innkeeper, you know, there, there's farmers and... And, uh, and they also put members of the factions. And and I've noticed they kind of downplayed the factions as they've gone along in the adventures, but they are a very big part of this. Um, the factions being the Order of the Gauntlet, the uh, the Zentarim, the Lord's Alliance, the Harpers. And so the, the factions all have different motivations for connecting with people and the party. And you your, your party members may actually be one of the, a member of the factions. Uh, in background, you can be a faction agent, and and that was interesting. That was a new thing for me. Having I like these... the mixture that they did overall. The characters, yeah. you know, you had like an introduction to some of the classic things like goblins, like we talked about, and cultists. And uh, spoiler alert for everyone out here: <laughs> this is you know a lot of the things that's coming at you. But they also had like the evil necromancer and the. You know, there were the different, um, you just got a good taste of everything, you know. Right. When and, the, was and the role-playing part, the factions actually give you uh, a lot of rich but simple role-playing motivations. You know, each faction, like the Lord's Alliance and the Harpers, you know, have, have a very simple motivation. You know, the Lord's Alliance is trying to promote civilization in the area the harpers are trying to keep tyrants from taking over the order of the gauntlet is uh you know your your clericky paladin kind of group and and so the, each each member each one of the npcs the the villagers that have those faction attachments are able to connect with your players based on what their motivations are. And that adds a lot of role-playing that that has pertinence, you know, not just, oh, you meet a nice tavern wench and, and strike up a conversation. You know, there's there's a reason for the role-playing. And I think they did a really good job. I mean, they have a whole section on role-playing the Fandolin NPCs. Yeah. And uh, and it gives you things, you know, little tips on, uh, you know, try different voices, mug it up, as they say, you know, make facial expressions, you know, getting into the acting thing. And it actually gives tips on how to be a DM in a role-playing situation, which, you know, most of the tips for DMs are, are the rules, you know, and I hadn't really seen right. it put so concisely and, and, and so, so very helpful uh, for a new DM to be able to 
go through this and, and really learn how to DM. Yeah, I, I love that, that it gives you the tips. And, and like you were saying before, there's a section of the adventure that tells you how to NPC some of these people. <clears throat> and I think that can be one of the most intimidating things to newer DMs is like how how would this person act and how do I distinguish these, you know, this folk from this folk. And, and you know, when they get to Phandalin, there's a lot that can go on. Like, you know, you're in a town and, and they can, we go over to the blacksmith or we go to the tavern or we go here. And being prepared for that, I think, can be scary for newer folks. So I think um, when, if you're going to run this adventure, definitely, you know, like every adventure, give it a decent read through and skim it over. Um, I would like, you know, get yourself a piece of paper and sort of put down some bullet points on the sections and anything you're kind of uncomfortable with, anything you're any like, oh, what if they do this or, or that and and pre-plan for some of that stuff. So you've got, you know, I know when you're in town, one of the biggest things is when somebody's like, I want to talk to random NPC number 11 and you're like, what the hell does this person know? Or what do they say? Like, have a little list of like a bunch of names, you know, like fantasy names or whatever. So that if they go up to a random person to get in, and I get people that do this all the time. You're in a tavern, you know, a lot of times oh, you're yeah. like, okay, I know who the tavern keeper is and I know who the barmaids are or servers or whatever. But what about the dude in the corner or this person over here? And, and if they chat them up, stuff like that is a little bit of maybe the icing on the cake. But I think those are, are opportunities to sort of like up your game a bit and make it feel really immersive when you're ready. If someone goes... Yeah, you're. I want to talk to this guy over. Who's in the tavern? Oh, there's a few people over here. A few people. I go up to this table, and is there anybody? Oh, yeah, there's a, a couple guys drinking. So I want to ask them, and you to just hit it in stride. Okay, his name's blah blah blah. He looks like he just got off work, and it's you know, like have stuff like that ready. Right, and it's sort of random, but you, if you have that stuff, I again, I feel like it makes you more sort of comfortable as a DM. You don't feel like you're waiting for a shoe to drop. Like, well, what if they do this or what if they do that? You sort of, you're ready. You've got resources to draw from. You've got something to fall back on. And um, Sure. And here's a, a little cheat trip, uh, tip. If they don't encounter that character, you can use him in the next tavern. Yeah. You know, you don't have to have, yeah. it could be the next person you talk to at a tavern Yeah, could could be, you know, this guy. And he, right. if you don't talk to anybody in tavern A, when you go to tavern B in the next town, there he sits. And, right. you know, so you don't have to have every individual fleshed out. He's a bit of a barfly. Yeah. He yeah. gets yeah. around. Yeah. He gets around. <laughs> Even if you do talk to him, he's the same character you always talk to in every bar. That's right. <laughs> he hits every happy hour in a 100-mile radius. That yep. would be a funny inside joke that there's oh, Mike's always at the bar no matter what bar you go to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah just, no, that, that You know, people travel. Awesome. They move around, yep. you know. One of the podcasts, the actual play podcasts that I listen to in their, like, the hometown that they started in or whatever – the there was a character that they just called Tom Exposition, and he would just like lay down all the information that they needed to go on to the next thing. Anytime they were lost or confused, Tom would show up, and Tom shows up, you know, just <laughs> like hey, like 
you got any questions? Like, and he yeah. just rattled it off. It was really He's funny. Like Dungeon Master from the cartoon. He just sort of showed up whenever they needed him. That's right. I forgot about that little dude. Yeah. Yeah, nice one. Yeah, that's funny. So as you're plugging through this, you actually are dealing with quite a bit at first level. And then you handle the group of ruffians that are um, uh, harassing the villagers in, in Phandalin. And that leads you to their hideout and you handle that situation. Um, and then at that point, you're level three. So you've done a lot in the first two levels, which I think is important because... It really gives the players time to get used to all the rules and you're not adding all these extra abilities right away. And and whereas level three is when a lot of people are picking their subclass, um, some of them get them at, you know, clerics get them at first level, etc. But it is, you're doing a lot at level one and level two, a whole mm. lot. And that, I think for new players and new DMs is, is pretty important. That you you don't just have one encounter and boom you're you're second level and and off you go and that especially for for um, inexperienced players and DMs because it really gives you a lot of exposure at those lower levels and so you really get to get a feel for what your characters can do you get familiar with the rules you you know so I, I like the way they did that. Uh, there's a lot going on there and there's a lot of treasure if you do it well and it, it feels like a really big win. You're going up to third level. You've got all this treasure. You can go buy some stuff in town. You, you know, you have some clues into what's going on for the next part. And once again, I just said that they did a really good job of creating an adventure that teaches you how to play and still making it exciting for experienced players. I mean, I, I you know, it was, what, 2014 when this came out, right? I can't yeah. remember. It's been a Something while. like that. Yep. Yeah. So that's eight years ago. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, wow. And I had been playing for 30 something years at that point. And I still found it very exciting to, to, yes. to run it and play it. Yeah. I like that there's also the avenues you can take that aren't fully uh, scripted or railroaded. Like you have to do this, then do this, then do this. You can actually yeah. sort of choose your own adventure at certain points in this adventure. And I like that a lot. Yeah, I think that's one of the things, like that, what I was saying in the beginning about having a taste of different styles of D&D is there is a sandbox section of this adventure. There are parts of it that feel more, maybe not railroad isn't the right word, but more linear, where it's obviously we did this, so now the next thing is this. And so you get get to figure out what you and your group like, which is... Why this reading through it, it is a great starter kit for even experienced players who are starting a new campaign because as a DM, you can pay attention to what do they gravitate towards? What are they having the most fun with uh, this adventure? I think that's a great way to use it. Absolutely. Yeah. This can easily be turned into a, or it can be the beginning of uh you know a homebrew campaign or even another published adventure i mean you can because they're right there in forgotten realms i mean you, there's they they leave you plenty of room to expand if you want to yeah yeah i think they For did sure. a good job on that yep and i really do i mean I, I said it earlier but i'm gonna say it again i really do like that they gave you uh, such a they gave you a taste of so many things mm-hmm. 
It wasn't just, you know, a lot of adventures, um, not that I'm knocking other adventures, but a lot of them are so focused on one specific either type of monster or bad guy or event or something that you don't mm-hmm. really get to experience like bugbears and goblins and sorcerers and cultists and all, you know what I mean? They, they it's, it's very rare, I think, from the adventures I've played, the published adventures, that you get so much exposure to so many different things. Yeah. Yeah, so it's oh, go ahead. Well, in in the um, I was just going through from part two to part three. When you're third level, there's a lot of exploring and going around to different uh, areas surrounding Fandolin, and and there's even a dragon in Dungeons and Dragons. There is. Whoa. Our, yeah, <laughs> uh, Chris and I, our party, when we played this, we had a tough time with that dragon. Yeah, I think we actually had uh, some people go down. But uh, I don't think we did things in what uh, most people consider the correct order either. Yeah. <laughs> in this in this adventure, which is what made it fun. Once again, was, you know, you could go anywhere you want to go. Yep. We, we had some difficulties with that dragon. Yeah, it's a tough. I mean, it's a young dragon, which is pretty powerful. I mean, I've I've had a wormling almost take compared out to a, third or fourth level characters. Yeah. It's extremely powerful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's all relative right. <laughs> to where you are as a party right <laughs> turns out i don't like you know getting killed by dragons yeah Learned that when i that's, when i played the starter kit. Yep. yeah right who would have thought i know huh right but once again the dragon doesn't want to die and it doesn't want to fight to the death so you know they're smart and they're you know they'd rather run away if they can and go live to fight another day gather treasure and do whatever they want so yeah you know it doesn't have to be this slog to the you know the final death of everybody so and then after you deal with all that you should be i guess fourth level and you go to part four which is really nice that each part is a level Part one is level one, part two, you know, and so on. So I think that's part of that design again. It's just, right. it's made keep, so easy for you to sort of follow along and everyone keep to a pace where it's more of a learning, learning adventure than a sandbox. And I, I think that once again, I, th- I just think that's a great way to do it for people who are inexperienced or just starting to right. play D&D. And it even mentions if they skip a lot of the um, optional investigations and encounters in part three, they may still be level three. And if they go right to the Wave Echo Cave, they um, they might still be third level. And that w- would make the Wave Echo Cave very difficult for them. But of course, they could level up in the middle of it, and that could be exciting for them as well. So it doesn't have yeah. to be you know the end of, of your party. And if I remember correctly... Um, and that's, you know, a big if, but if I remember correctly, the Wave Echo Cave also taught you about like encumbrance and the size and weight of your character, how that matters and how to roll like, I think athletics checks and strength checks. I think there were, um, several portions of that Wave Echo Cave that were, I mean, it was, you were having fun while doing it, so it didn't seem like it, but it was almost educational. Yes, right. uh, and and a lot of that's anyways. found throughout the whole thing. You know, if you're certain weight, it triggers this sure. trap. Uh, that's right. actually found out uh, or or expressed throughout the the entire adventure, bits and pieces. I think there was some of that also in the uh, the hideout, the first. Well, the there second was a little dungeon bit. you go through. Yeah, I just feel like there was more uh, in the Wave Echo Cave, like they were mm-hmm. building upon 
those couple of things I showed you earlier. And it was really starting to become... Because, I mean, now when we play D&D, all of us have actually been playing for a while. And when you say, well, you got to make it up this hill, we know it's a, it's an athletics check. Or, you know, uh, hey, this door, it's only five feet wide. We know you can't be large and try to squeeze in and your friends get by you and all that stuff. But I right. think this in this adventure, they don't take it... Um, they don't take it for granted that you already know that. And they sort of put all these little teaching moments in there. They do. They do. Moments. There's climbing out of rifts or climbing up onto it. Even uh, in one of the rooms, there's a, a statue with a, uh, with a gem on it. And, you know, think of uh, some of the book covers where someone's climbing up on this big statue, trying to pry a gem out, of, you know, out of the eye. Yeah. Um, and that is in here. I mean, it's, 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 Cool, and they they tell you. The, I, I think the, there was like a rope bridge in there as well, where it was if you were so heavy, you know, it was like disadvantage. Or I can't remember what it was, but they really they had a they packed a lot into there. They really yeah. did, and it just you know if if that sounds intimidating for someone new, it, it really isn't because it's all explained in simple language, uh, instructive language. It's easy to read. Um, it's a, and it's actually easy for the players too. If this is sounding like it's, you know, if you were excited about getting into D and D, and then you heard us, and you're like, "Screw those guys! D and D sounds like the worst." Don't. It's uh, <laughs> it's actually extremely fun to play, and all the stuff we're talking about just one roll of the die, man. You know, so. yeah. You know those fans that heard us thought D and D sounds awful, and then kept listening to our podcast. Too. Yeah, yeah, you got, I'm talking to you guys yeah, out there. You yeah. right now. This is your episode where you realize, huh, it's not that hard. Yeah, yeah that's it. I've, I'm glad we can finally teach you that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're really good at doing things in order. Just yeah, like right. our uh, oh, yeah. spoiler alerts, which come after yeah. the spoiler. It's at the end of every episode. Here we are yeah. on episode whatever. Yeah, no. uh, telling you that D&D is not hard as, and definitely not as hard as we make it sound <laughs> right and it's fun so if you hadn't Perfect. learned that yet there you go Yep. yep. well, well maybe... that's all we have for you guys today yeah <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and we're out that was our theme uh, the theme that right came out. at the last second of the podcast <laughs> <Right>. yeah <laughs> we know how the thesis uh, works as well yeah sure why uh, not <laughs> oh man Anywho, but no, it uh, does. This adventure as a whole feels like it feels like how <laughs> teachers talk about math, where it's like it just all builds on one another. But like this really does build on like the complicated thing you're doing by way of Echo Cave, and it's not even that complicated. But like, no. if it sounds complicated, you've already been practicing all of these things throughout parts one through three of this adventure, and so it's not this overly complicated thing it's just the, it does a really good job this adventure of introducing different pieces of what's on your character sheet because like let's be honest when you look at a character sheet for the first time there's a lot of numbers and words and like yeah. there's a lot packed onto that piece of paper and it can be a little overwhelming or confusing or how do i use this or where do i find this and again there's a reason this the starter kit and honestly yeah. <laughs> i wish they'd write some more of these adventures kind of like this where it helps break it down like okay well this is what this is where you'd find this this is what this is going on and like now it's time to make this kind of check like yeah i think it'd be great if they did a a starter set 2.0 you know know, they they might because they're changing up some things so right 
Yeah. After Even the, if, you know, five and a half or whatever they're going to call it. I don't know, but maybe they'll put out another one. They, well, it's I, been I mean, eight years. It's been yeah, eight yeah. years that they've had yeah. this edition, and that's a long time. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really not that much longer than some of the other ones. I mean... Well, I know, but, I mean, usually at this point, they... Well, I mean, they are coming out with basically 5.5. Yeah, here. they are coming yeah. out with some So, they're probably... I don't know if there'll be another starter set, but there's probably going to be something like it to kind of reteach you what all the little things they're changing or adjusting, depending on how drastically they're changing things. I don't know how much of the basic rules they're going to change. Right. That's And that would really kind of make all the difference whether or not they're going to put out another starter set. Maybe they'll be listening to this podcast and go, yeah, we should totally do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd love... That guild that keeps on giving really has some great ideas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I could have my wish is they should do... Not maybe not call them starter sets, but something in this vein for the next chunk of levels and the next chunk, like a mm-hmm. you know like an intermediate set and an advanced set and something that takes you all the way to twenty because that's where like as you get further and further down the character level progression, that's when all the supports drop off and suddenly you as a DM you find yourself. I think Rick can attest to this. DMing for a group of people who have abilities, they're like, I didn't know you were going to be able to do that. I've never heard of this spell. Like, you know, yeah. there's a lot of things that come up that suddenly it's like, oh, well, then there goes my plan for today. <laughs> like, right. and it would yeah. be nice yeah. to have an adventure that kind of knows that's coming and anticipates some of that and can give you those supports to make those that's higher levels. Excellent idea, Matt. That really is. Yeah, it, it DMing for 18th, 19th, 20th level you know, when you get ninth level spells, it's tough. I mean, all the yeah. extra abilities, all the things you can come up with, that, you know, a, a, a druid can wipe out a village from a mountaintop with a tidal wave. I mean, there's there's things that is, uh, you know, absolutely world changing. Yeah. And that is very difficult to, to DM um, unless you're just winging it each, have nothing prepared and be like, okay, you know, what in the world are you guys going to change today? Right. And, and be more reactive to the players. And that, that could be fun too. But the thought of it stresses me <laughs> quite a bit. Right. <laughs> yeah. To, to be able to be, make it fun for, for everybody. Um, but anyway, that's that's way outside of what we're talking about today. Other other than you know having other starter sets that would be that would be nice. Now a lot of the prepared adventures, the published adventures, have the start. Okay, so you started with Lost Minds of Fandelver. Your characters are fifth level. They haven't played at fifth level, but they've just turned fifth level. Right. Yep. And now you can go off and, and plug them into the next published adventure. And um, and that can be fun, too. Uh, the Curse of Strahd, you can go right from Fendelver, be walking out, walk into the mist, and wind up Curse of Strahd at fifth level. And there you go. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I do think this is very easy to plug into whatever other kind of especially the the other published campaigns. My comment was just that the other published campaigns in my and maybe I'm just not <laughs> remembering it, but when I read through them, I don't get the same sense of like support that I do oh no through this one. No, not 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 at this level. No. 
and maybe they yeah. felt that wasn't needed. Uh, but I think it would be very helpful. So there are quite a few of um, post Lost Minds of Fendelver adventures that have been made and are sold at uh, the DMs Guild online. Um, I've run a few of those where they've taken some of the, the characters, the NPCs, and you interact with them or you go on adventures with them or for them and things like that at fifth level. And there's there's a whole stack of them if you want to look through those. Um, they're kind of fun or, or take a shot and make something up yourself. I ran mm-hmm. right from Fendover to uh, Icepire Peak and it worked great. You just started a higher level and I mean, I had to do some tweaking, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Really well, I mean, so. it's in the same area. I mean, you're based in Fendelin, yeah. so it's... It's um, it, it really does work. And I don't know. Do we have much more to talk about about Lost Minds? All right. Well, if that wraps up Foundelver, then next week we'll talk about Ice Fire Peak. Sounds great. That'll be fun. Cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, then I think that's it for today, gentlemen. Awesome. Terrific. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to the Guild that keeps on giving. Please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or whatever your favorite podcast service. Also, don't forget to like and share our Facebook page, The Guild That Keeps On Giving on Facebook, our Instagram at TGTKOG, and our Twitter at T underscore G underscore T underscore K underscore O underscore G. For all of us here at The Guild That Keeps On Giving, thanks for listening and have a great week.